Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome into a bonus edition of Take Command. Craig Hoffman here with you to introduce what you are about to hear, which is about an hour of joy. Uh, Best of our Burgundy and Sold party as heard on the Hoffman Show afternoons, the Team 980 from 4 to 7 each and every day. But this was from our show at the bullpen. Just an incredible event. Thanks to so many of you who came out and celebrated the phenomenal news with us. Of course, the news that Dan Snyder has sold the Washington Commanders to Josh Harris. We had so many people on set. It was such a great time. Doc Walker, JP Flame, Brian Mitchell. uh, Also, uh, the moment that the news actually came down. That's what you'll hear first. And then you'll hear the interviews here on this very special edition of Take Command. Ladies and gentlemen, NFL owners have unanimously approved the $6.05 billion sale of the Washington Commanders from Dan Snyder to a group led by Josh Harris per league sources. So the votes are in and the sale of the Commanders to Harris, Rails, Magic Johnson and their group of limited partners. It's done. The final hurdle has been cleared. The only thing left is the paperwork to be signed and Dan Snyder will finally be gone After 24 years, his reign of terror, incompetence, and embarrassment is over. Ladies and gentlemen, the Burgundy and Gold has been sold. So we will have live reaction uh, in just a moment here from the bullpen. Uh, Tim, tell you what, I would love to uh, just kind of let, you know, put that, that big crowd mic up in a second. Uh, band's finishing the song right now. I'm sure people around, like, I don't know, Michael, if you heard this, like, people have, have already said, like, they're clearly getting the news, right? People are on their phones. They see the Schefter tweet. You hear a couple people giving the woo, giving the celebration. Uh, so as soon as, uh, as soon as this happens here, we'll get the big crowd reaction. But it's here. And uh, we'll also take your calls next, 301-230-0980. Go ahead and start stacking up. Uh, Haney is back in studio, ready to talk to you. 301-230-0980 is the phone number, and we'll get your reaction. How are you feeling? It is done. Dan Snyder is going to be selling the Commanders. Uh, It's been approved. All the hurdles have been cleared. It is just a matter of signing paperwork. Uh, This is is the time when you're buying a house that you pop the champagne. The house is yours. You still have to go to the closing and do all that stupid paperwork. 
but the house is yours, and in this case, it's the team is yours once again. It's it's hard to put into words uh, as someone who's covered this for eight years what today ultimately means because it is still a, a path to be forged. It's still a path to be cleared, a path to be traveled down. It's something that we know is going to take time to build back up the infrastructure or even just, you know, forget infra, the structure that Doc was talking about uh, just a few moments ago, what, what it's going to take to get FedEx Field to be a place that people actually want to go for you know, people to feel proud of this team, for them to have the people in the right places in the football organization to win games in the way that we want them to, obviously, over the course of not just an instant like Rams-esque surge and then rapid decline, but to be competitive over the course of time. But that can't happen without good leadership. And based off of everything I know about Josh Harris, he is the right type of person to do this. Is he the only person that could have done it? Probably not. Um, It seems like a lot of other owners have figured out how to do it. Um, The NFL, in a lot of ways, is about just hiring the right people. And to hire the right people, you need some talent identification skills, but also a willingness to pay. And, you know, Jerry Jones has paid for years. Uh, Kraft has paid in New England. And, you know, they played uh, McVay in L.A., and, and Stan Kroenke uh, has been one to do that. Josh Harris, he didn't pay $6.05 billion to not pay. But junkies are taking the stage here uh, at the bullpen, so we're going to try to get, get this pumped up real quick. I hope you guys have refilled your drinks because the time that we've been waiting for is officially upon us. So gather around, come on up, let's all celebrate in the fact that the Washington Commanders are no longer owned by one Daniel Snyder. The long DC nightmare is officially over. So let's everybody raise them up. Let me see them up on the deck. Raise up your glasses, raise up your bottles, and let's drink to a fun new era. The nightmare is done. Dan Snyder is dead. There you hear it, cakes from the junkies telling the crowd here at the bullpen. Man, what a day, what a day. We are streaming live on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash at the team 980. Where you see the lovely, beautiful face right now of Rick Doc Walker. Hoffman. What's up, Doc? Hey, man, good to be alive. And uh, where's Anthony playing hooky? He's, he's got to hit the buttons back in the studio. Someone's got to Oh, he it. didn't want to come out and be with the people. I mean, I don't know that it was his call, but someone someone decided they had to keep him behind closed doors. Well, he's a prep kid, so he probably needed air conditioning. Uh, I, I mean, that. I think we could all use air conditioning, yeah. but that's a different story. No, this story. is nice. It is nice. nice. So I'm, I'm excited to have you because you, as much as anybody, understand what it's like when this, this team is at its peak. And the word that keeps coming up for me over the last couple of days and talking to Sheehan and you know, listen to some other guests that have been on. Dan Steinberg wrote a great piece today in the Post. Is is the idea of community mm-hmm. and what it means when this team is at the center of this community? When I say that, and you think of the heyday, and and you playing and winning Super Bowls and and going to the parades and everything, like what what images come back to mind? What what feelings come back to mind from those days? It's collegiate to the point where, you know, if you were. In Coldfield House, or you at the Infinity, when the Terps are at their highest level, yeah, you're at. You have Tech, 
Sandman plays. Yeah. It's epic. No question about the community involvement. We had a collegiate environment in a city that hosts the president of the United States. Yeah. We're not supposed to be that wild and crazy, but it's, we it's were. It's a suit and tie city. Yeah, it is, but not when the Burgundy and Gold were at its best. Everybody was in for one thing, and that was about support of the team. No matter the outcome, it was about support. Because, fam, we don't play. We can talk all we want to talk. We, we're not, we don't give them a point. We don't take away a point. But I think anybody that played under that roar, when you walked into whatever stadium it was, you knew what you represented. We went on the road. I remember we played, used to play in Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta. We owned Atlanta. We, it, we were the home team Yeah. in another state. That blew my mind, the way we traveled, the way we still travel very well based on the circumstance. But this, to me, kind of restarts that. And I don't want to give fans who quit an out because literally they quit. And Cleveland hadn't quit. You know, there are certain fan, New York Jet fans haven't quit. Our people quit on Schneider. And as a result, people got in the wash. So I'm welcoming everybody back with open arms, but I'm going, you know, we got to, who are you? Yeah. And, and, and my, not most so most all those people, but the younger people that you represent now, please instill in them what you had, not what you've been. So there's a couple of things that I think are interesting off of that, right? Because I, I do think, like, I can only speak for me. Yeah. If you quit because you're going, I can't root for that because you see the things that are happening that have nothing to do with the team, nothing to do with football. Right. I understand that. I understand right. not going like, I can't root for that when it's covering up these things that are happening in the office. Oh, I'm prejudiced. And, I'm speaking from yeah, a player's for standpoint sure. that got unmitigated love. Regardless, I got here in 80. I didn't know anybody, and they didn't know me, and I was invited to people's homes in Middleburg for dinner right i was invited out of a hotel i stayed for eight weeks they didn't know me and right. i didn't know them it was unconditional love and yeah. that's a hard thing and that's why my passion has never dwindled because of those people strangers right. that embraced me they had no reason to and that's what we did and i've always tried to give that to the alum to people that come under to give them unconditional love and support for them, no matter who's in charge, I never got involved in that. It's the players, and I'm hoping that these guys will get a chance to experience it. Yeah, and, and that's what I would say, too, is, like, they're, the players felt that, whether, you know, you quit because of them and the fact that they weren't winning football games or not. You know, the stadium dwindled not only in its its fullness but in its capacity, right? It was a 90,000-seat stadium when it opened that's – 64 now 52 now whatever it is Maybe. they don't they don't fill it either not way including our people right that's what right the but like giant they, they put, they put the, the tarps over like it ain't even possible like Jacksonville. right it's an embarrassment and, and so uh, i guess the question becomes like and dan wrote about this today in the post i thought it was really interesting like times have changed you know the way we all communicate has changed the way a community comes together has changed a lot of things have changed around the team nevertheless the change is within the team so what, like, to you, when you've traveled with the team and go to road stadiums and you think of other fan bases, what are, what's the model? Like, what, what can this team become? Or is it, can this team be something that these other teams don't even dream of? Well, it's Buffalo. It's the Mafia. Yeah. Uh, it's Chicago Bull, a Bears. The Bears are awful. Have been for a long time. Their fan base is still dominant. You know, in other words, what I'm saying is that 
you can hate the evil empire. And but you have to also say, but you're hurting the kids. My thing is never take anything personal. I want to support the guys that put that uniform on. No matter what it looks like, I got to support them because I was supported that way. It's unconditional. There's no excuses. Support them 100%. And they'll feel it. And they'll respond to it. The wild bunch, the special teams. I mean, it all starts with the kickoff or the kickoff return. That used to be everything to us. We want, we want to receive because we get in yardage or score. It was a weapon. Now they're fair catching and they're catching punts and it's ridiculous. We got to bring that back as a tool. And I think that'll happen. The coverage teams that were here, they were legendary guys covering kicks. They were celebrity status, busting wedges. It was crazy. When I think of Dallas Hickman, that's what the wild bunch indicated. If you got on that unit kicking off, you knew you had to run through a wall. Everybody kind of understood what had happened before them. That's legacy. That's what we have to recapture again. You know, so the rock cartwrights of the world are identified. The Otis Wansleys are identified. You know, the great Williams, they're identified. They have a meaning. Stop following the first-round pick and all that. That's so simple. We had substance. Everybody knew the entire roster, and they knew what they accounted for, whether they were undrafted free agent, whether they got off a bus and took a cab to get there. It didn't matter. Do you think there are guys on this roster right now that can lead that next generation of what it meant? And, like, let me even take a step back, Don. What does it mean right now to be a Washington commander? Like, for you, if I asked you that question, what did it mean for you to put on that uniform when you played? We'd be here for, until until my show is over for you answering that question. Rick right? Owens, man. Right. You know, it was Larry Brown. And there, there are people that Charlie pass it down Taylor. to you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What does it mean right now? And are there people in the organization that understand what it should mean to pass it down to the, the folks that Josh Harris and his group are going to bring in? Yeah, they do. Terry McLaurin. See, we got guys. They're character guys. Even through the chaos, they have you respect them. We got quality guys, man. And so that's why this is going to be an easy transition because it's not like we got a team full of jerks. We got some guys that have character, that fight. It's the same guys that in in Ron's reign, they've done some incredible things a couple times. They went to Pittsburgh and, and beat an undefeated team. That same group of this interior people went to Philadelphia and beat an undefeated team. Right. You can't do that accidentally. You know, you got something about you that makes you a little different, makes you spe- makes you special. And so that's what I, I believe in because they have enough pieces, the cam curls of the world. You know, they have enough pieces to pull this off. Now, they got to be blessed with health. Sure. You can't expect guys, you know, third-team guys to do it. But um, – I don't feel sorry for them. I think they're capable of getting it done. They just got to get into it. Uh, Toppin Show, Team 980. We're broadcasting live from our party at the pin. Every time I look up, Doc, there's more people here. I feel like everyone's just playing the snowball game. They're doubling every time I look up. You love to see it. Yeah, well, I mean, you think this is something. Can you imagine Arizona in the opener? Well, that's literally what I was about to ask you. Do we see a full FedEx field full of burgundy and gold for the first time in, I don't know, yeah, I'd bet on it. It's week one? I'd bet on it. When was the last time that you feel like that stadium was full with, with the right colors? I literally can't remember it. Because I've been here since 15. Yeah. That, that was a good December. Like, yeah, that, oh, no. Kirk, Kirk and then we're rolling. And, Kirk, I mean, Robert, 12, and 12, Kirk, obviously. 12 was a thrill that I still remember New Orleans. I still remember 
Pierre Garçon. I still remember things that happened in that season that I was I would hug Robert Griffith. He must have thought I was a, an idiot because <laughs> I was so excited because I saw that as the beginning of a return to glory. My whole moniker for this thing is that Operation Return to Glory. And I'm going to stick with that, and I believe that that we've been teased with it. That happened. Kirk did it, and I remember it. I remember Jackson. I remember these things vividly, and then it's kind of like nothing. You know, we've been teased a little bit, and those teams that win and beat undefeated teams on the road shows you what they're capable of. Yeah. Let me ask you this on the way out. Um, I'm sure when you were playing – the nature of players is I don't care what's going on around me. My head's down. I'm going to do my job. I don't care who the owner is. Mm-hmm. But you've been in this role for a long time now. Mm-hmm. You got to see a front row seat for the deterioration of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Where does ownership matter, and how does Josh Harris be a positive influence where Dan Snyder so clearly was not? Structure. You know, it depends on how you build a football team. I saw a general manager in charge of football. I don't think it's possible for a coach to be in charge of football because you have too many emotional ties. I can't ask you to ask a man to damn near die for you and then tell that man he's out. That's too impersonal, and they don't. And I respect the fact that they have loyalty for their players. It shouldn't be their job. It should be an executive who comes up and says, analytics are in. This is not a joke. It's not a phase or a fad. No, it's it more information. Sense. It's better. It helps more make information better is better. We have to do that, and he has done that in his prior franchise sure has he's utilized analytics i'm scared of anybody that doesn't <laughs> believe in it because it's true and the other thing about it comes down to letting the kids understand what's at stake and i think they'll do all that for sure doc walker will be on tonight following us uh yes, sir and i think you guys start 6 30 on on the fan and then Man, whenever they say go when you say you <laughs> goodbye we say hello all right uh all right. that's seven over here on 980 6 30 6 30 over on the fan following right. grant and Good danny simulcast you got it. Appreciate you. That's Doc Walker with us. You hear Cake saying what's up in the background. When he puts down that microphone on the stage, he's going to join us. Uh, that or two of the other junkies will. Uh, so we got the junks coming up next. We're broadcasting live. Hey, Chris Russell's in the building, so you know it's a party. Uh, it's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. This is the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. It's our pleasure to welcome J.P. Flame on set. What's up, Craig? Good to have you, I man. told you this off air. Congratulations on one year. Thank your you. Own show. That's great. Thank you. Uh, so I asked, we had cakes on last week. I don't know. What is the day anymore? Time's a flat circle. Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> Today's Thursday. The cool. 20th. Yeah, that, that part I can remember. <laughs> 
I don't remember when Cakes was. I think it was last Friday. But I asked him uh, a hypothetical, or not really a hypothetical, but like, if think back to, like, let's put your brain in 2012, right? You guys are at that point, a couple years in on the fan. You've been doing the show for 15, 17 years, something like that at that point. Robert Griffin III is running around, looks like the future of the franchise. And I tell you, hey, man, in 11 years, you're going to be the morning show, not just on this station, but on the, on 980, which at the time we were uh, not friends, uh, <laughs> to say it lightly. And uh, Dan Snyder is going to sell the football team. Kirk Cousins is going to be one of the higher paid quarterbacks in the league. And Robert Griffin is going to be an analyst for ESPN, and he will have been for like four years at that point. Which part is most unbelievable to you? The most unbelievable part at that time in yeah. 2012 would be the Kirk Cousins. Because yeah. RG3 <laughs> was taking over the city. EB says it all the time. He called him RGesus. There were some of us that were a little skeptical. I used to call him RG Screen because I thought it was a lot of easy work right. for him. But RG3 had taken over. And this city was on fire. I always say this. When people complain about the stadium, they complain about the parking, they complain about the drive-in, they weren't complaining about that in 2012. They were just into winning and the hope for the future. So it I was think worth it. Kirk Cousins was the most far-fetched because he was a backup and nobody was thinking about him. Except for like Kyle Shanahan because he was like, we got to draft this guy in the fourth round. Turns out that Shanahan guy's kind of kind of smart. Uh, what's your, I mean, you've been a fan of this team your whole life. You've been doing the show, you know, with these fans, these people listening to you for 25 years at this point. Like, what does today mean to you? On, it's on the crazy. You know what? Just kind of mingling with people here, there's a great turnout here at the bullpen. I was telling people, it's not like they won a game. It's an atmosphere of, like, winning a huge game. And there hasn't been a game. It's just an ownership change. But it's hope. You know, you hear the phrase by doing the show, same old skins. Yeah. And that's what it's been, really, for the last decade plus, maybe even 15, 20 years, that you kind of just expect this team to be mediocre, maybe worse than mediocre. And there aren't great expectations. And now there's hope for the future. When do you think it turned that that hope died? Because, like, sports fans are the most irrational group of people when it comes to hope. Every single year. I mean, it's the beauty of the NFL because occasionally that irrational hope is rewarded and people are right. But in the NFL every year, it's like, oh, this could be the year. You know, people convince themselves by the time January ends and August comes around and camp begins. Absolutely. Hey, we just got to get – if we get a little bit of help and this guy has a career year and this, that, and the other thing – but it feels like sometime, and this has happened since I got here in 2015, that people were like, I don't know, man, the incompetence of ownership really seems to make it so this isn't possible. When do you think that changed? It's a tough call, man. I'd say it's been a roller coaster during Snyder. There have been occasional flare-ups, whether it's 2012 with RG3, also the splashy hires. But if yeah. you go way back, he fires Schottenheimer yeah. after Schottenheimer wins eight of his last 11 games. And you're like, whoa. What's this guy doing? Then he starts bringing in splashy players and splashy coaches like Steve Spurrier. The hope flares up when Joe Gibbs comes back, but that doesn't even work out. So I think there was some hopelessness that started right around kind of the Joe Gibbs time because, yes, they made the playoffs twice, but he still had a losing record. Joe Gibbs had a losing record in his return. That's a Hall Crazy. of Fame coach who's won in NASCAR. He comes back, deals with Snyder, and it just doesn't work out. Then you have Shanny. I thought Shannon and McNabb was going like, to be unbelievable. I was like, West Coast offense, Mike Shanahan, that doesn't work out. So at some point, people get beaten down over and over and over again, and that hopelessness kind of sets in. 
Softman Show. We're on the Team 980. J.P. Flame from the Junkies is here with us. The off-the-field stuff is a separate conversation. Obviously, like the Mary Joy Report drops today. There, I was trying to read through it in the breaks. So there's, like, new stuff in there. It's not great. We'll read, we'll, we'll do, we're going to deal with that tomorrow. Today's the day to celebrate. Uh, but So pushing that temporarily to the side. From a football standpoint, like, what are the big missed opportunities? What are the things that you look back and, like, the most frustrated you were in the, the Snyder era? Well, again, I'll go back to all the way to Marty Schottenheimer because that was a team that was heading in the right direction. But I would say, you mentioned Kirk Cousins before. What if they had Kirk Cousins the last five or six years? Totally. Wouldn't they be contending for playoff spots? Think, think about it. They were 8-8-1 eight, eight and one last year. With awful quarterback play from Carson Wentz, 2-5. and five. Awful quarterback play from Taylor Heineke. And they're within a game of making the playoffs. If you just have competent quarterbacking, you're going to be far better off. So I think a lot of the fan base, look, was torn between RG3 and Kirk Cousins for a while. And Kirk is one of those guys that nobody completely wraps their arms around him. But yet... He's much better than what they've had. What have they had? Seven starting quarterbacks in the last seven years? I, mean, I get in fights with callers about this all the time, and this is not me being like, Kirk's awesome, but like, he's the best quarterback since they won the Super Bowl, and it's not even close. Like, there may be individual seasons of guys. Obviously, Roberts, 12, you know, Campbell had a couple years that were impressive, but like, Kirk's the fourth leading passer in the history of the franchise. That's how low the bar is. It's not that Kirk is incredible, he's very good. But, like, I, I, the thing that I think is interesting, JP, if you talk to folks in the organization is there was something that happened in 2017 that w- that just broke the fan base. Season tickets dropped. Everything just plummeted. Like, despite all of the stuff. And at that point, there's rumblings of bad things happening behind the scenes. Snyder, at that point, had been treating fans terribly for 20 years. Like, sure. there's all kinds of reasons, plus the football incompetence, for people to have already been off the boat. And something snapped in 2017 where people just said enough. And I don't think it's just Kirk leaving, but I do think for a lot of people, like, that was the straw that broke the camel's back because it represented just the sheer incompetence of not realizing how to even sustain some level of competitiveness, nevertheless striving to be good. Well, you know, you took me back to 2012 with your hypothetical question with different scenarios, but if you go all the way back to when Dan Snyder takes over... There's no way you could have imagined it to have gone this bad. They have two playoff wins in the entire You want a crazy one? They don't have an 11-win season. Like, we joke about it all the time, how much money Dan Snyder cost us. Because we get ratings bonuses, and you know this. Yeah. When the teams do well, more people go to games. So, of course, more people want to check out a radio show, TV shows about their favorite team. When teams lose, apathy sets in. People don't care. Yep. That same old skins mentality is there. That's why I say... The feeling that I get from most people is just, it's hope. Look, yeah. Sam Howell may be terrible this year. We don't know. Maybe. He may be terrible. They could go 3-14 and 14 because they've got a quarterback. Let's just say, hypothetically, he's Rex Grossman-like and throws a ton of interceptions, and it's a turnover fest, and they're in a tough division. But there's still hope right now. Right. Well, at that point, hey, sign us up for the Caleb Williams experience. There you go. Heidi Ho. Um, one stat that I, uh, I pieced together earlier today. I think I, I kind of pieced it together from two parts of Sheehan's monologue, so I'll give Kevin credit. They have as many ties as they do playoff wins in 24 years. It's two of each. Yeah, and, 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 and the playoff thing, too, it was fun when they made the playoffs. Yeah. But we know every time they've been to the playoffs that they're not a serious contender for a Super Bowl. I mean, the last playoff run, Taylor Heineke's quarterback, he's running around. It's fun. 
They had a losing record. They got in. Right. Other times during the last 25 years, it's become it's some sort of late season run. You know, they get hot. Todd Collins, whatever. They even get 15 in, with but Kirk. But they haven't been a serious contender. Yeah. No, even 15 with Kirk, they got hot late. Like, that team was fun as hell to cover. Um, and there were people at the time being like, oh, I, I can see it building towards something. But I think that was the thing is, like, that 15 team gave them some semblance of hope. And then they screw it up. And I, I think also, like, we almost forget now, Bruce was so insulting to our collective intelligence. <laughs> like, when, when they would come out and be like, we offered him the richest contract. And it's like, no, you didn't. Like, that contract makes no sense for him to sign. So, Heidi ho Bruce, see ya. Uh, go, yeah, maybe he and Dan will get back. Pro- probably not. I don't think they Probably not. I saw, I think it was Pete Haley that, that posted the video yeah, today. I remember. I, I was mean, there I, for I that. I forgot when, when Bruce is walking by in his suit and Dan, they just go opposite directions. How I had, good is that? I had, uh, I have a very similar video somewhere on Twitter because I was there for that. Right. And someone like liked it the other day and it popped back <laughs> up in my feed. And I was like, oh, I remember that. What a time. Uh, all right. So that's, that's the what has been. Looking forward now. Let's let's kind of commanders Josh Harrow, Josh Harris bingo card this. How important to you, JP Flame, is the name and the brand? Can they can they build this fan base back if they are the Washington Commanders? All right, on the Junkie Show, let's be straight. I'm not a Commanders fan. I grew up. My father came from Italy. I grew up like in the Baltimore teams. I root for the Commanders now. I actually painted a bedroom for my daughter, who's a huge. Redskins slash Commanders fan, Burgundy and Gold out of the Brian Arakpo fat uh, fat head. Cakes does the Brian Arakpo voice. Uh, we'll in, have to get in, him over in, here in, in the spirit. Far away. In the spirit of the fat head. Um, so, I don't know if I'm a true representation of the Commander fan base. To answer your question, well, uh, I'll I'll ask you as you though. Like you're you get to put on your analyst hat then, right? You're someone who's been interacting with this fan yeah. base for 25 years, so. From your perspective, whether it's your personal feelings as a fan or not, for someone who sits in the seat you do, which you just define very well, what do you, like do you think they can? Can what? Can can bring Contend, the fan base back? Super Bowl, bring the fan well, base well, back. Bring the fan base back with the brand what it is right now. I or think do they, they need can. To look at it. I think that the commander's name. Again, I might be in a minority, and I'm not passionate about the Redskins name. Right. I think winning cures all. I'm with so you. So if they can get to winning. People are going to be fired up. People like Mike Mars wearing a Commander's jersey right now. Clearly a knockoff. I can tell by the stitching. They might. And, you know. <laughs> They're expensive, man. I agree. But all of us people make will wear money. their knockoffs and they'll wear their legit jerseys because they're winning. You yeah. know, right now, people are so fired up simply because there's a new owner. Nobody knows anything about Josh Harris. They've read, oh, he owns the Sixers. He owns the Flyers whatever they don't really know anything about him and we may never even know that much about him it's all about winning you know even the stuff you're talking about the mary joe white investigation people would have been bothered by that but had this team been going 10 and 6 11 and 6 12 and 5 the last couple of seasons that would be on page like d8 of the washington post if you want to go with like an old school sports section thing it would not be a front page thing the front page would be about a team winning so i think and none of us know what Josh Harris is going to say tomorrow. Maybe yeah. he's going to go there and say, hey, I'm bringing the Redskins name back. I highly doubt that. I think yeah. because of the political climate, it's yeah. not going to happen. Consider, considering maybe, the sponsors that pushed it away, no way. Maybe they do move on and they rename it again. But can you imagine that would be, what, four names in four years? Or four names in five years? Yeah. 
I don't know. I think the I, name is down the list. I, I tend to think that, and I've said this a million times, but I'm so my audience that listens every day, sorry you're hearing it for the millionth and one, but or a million and first, but the reason nobody likes commanders is because they associate it with incompetence and apathy and whatever, and if they go out and win, if Sam Howell is awesome or Caleb Williams is awesome, they'll associate it with that and they'll be fine. RFK. You know, similar. Wizards. Yeah. yeah. Nobody liked the Wizards name. Guess what? When John Wall was at the height of his powers, and they, look, it's sad, the height of his powers is second round against the Celtics, sure. jumping on the table, but the place was raucous, and everybody was, was into awesome. it. Nobody was going, man, this name sucks at that moment. Right. People get over the name if you can win. 100%. And it's generational as well. The farther we get removed, if they can build new memories, there will be people who like it because they associate it with happiness. Stadium, that's next on the bingo card. Do you have a place where you're like, it's got to be at RFK, or I think it's smart to go to Virginia. I hope it stays in Maryland. Like, where are you at on the stadium? I think the dream scenario is RFK. Yeah. I don't know enough about the politics. We've, we've been talking about this for years. five to ten years. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about this thing forever, and it hasn't moved. So we'll see if the ball moves. I don't think it would be optimal for them to move all the way out to Dumfries, way out there, because I know this. Like, I coach a flag football team, and sometimes I'll ask the kids, who do you root for? And over the years, more and more have moved to the Ravens. I live in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Right. So that really should be commander's country, Redskins country, but more and more moving to the Ravens. Now, a lot of young kids also come up and they just like their fantasy players. They're not right. really passionate about Lamar, a team. very good fantasy But I feel players. like if they move all the way out in Virginia, you're going to lose a lot of Maryland. Yeah, I, I think that is an issue. Um, I, like, the problem is I – I look at a team like the Niners that moved to Santa Clara, and they're just like, tough. Now, of course, they're in a bit different boat because, you know, they don't have the Raiders, for instance, anymore in Oakland pulling people away, so they can kind of get away with it versus if you're in Maryland and all of a sudden the team is farther away, it's easier to root for the but Ravens. But to my previous point. But like, teams don't seem to care about it anymore. They'll just right. put the team wherever they can get the land. But to my previous point, if you build a winner, yeah. A consistent winner, people will go. Yeah. During that 2012 RG3 year, people weren't bitching about the traffic as much. People weren't bitching about going to the games. Yeah. They were packing the house and caught up in the excitement and the buzz, just like people are caught up in the excitement here. Right. Uh, what do you guys got coming up tomorrow morning? What's the plan? I mean, I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about this. <laughs> Thanks. I couldn't figure that one out. <laughs> you. Anything in particular that you're excited for? Anybody? Like, if you could, if you, let me ask you this. This is the last question I'll ask you on the way out. If you could book anybody tomorrow outside of one of the owners, like, yeah, if you could get Magic Johnson on the show, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. But not non-ownership group. You could talk to one person tomorrow. Who would it be? Sam Howell. Okay. Would you want to talk to Sam Howell? It has nothing to do with the ownership. Sure. But once we get beyond this ownership, we're going to quickly move into training camp. And what is the number one thing people are talking about? Sure. Sam Howell, Chase Young. So, yeah, I'd want one of those two guys because I think that once we get beyond this, this joy, this euphoria here for the next couple of days, well, now it's going to be like, can this team contend? Where does this team fit? Are they a playoff contender? Is this Ron Rivera's last year? So I'll go straight to the quarterback. That's not a bad one. I just think players, like Sam Howell is so young, he doesn't have any idea about any of this stuff. I don't Chase, need to ask him about this. Chase would be interesting, though, because <laughs> yeah. Chase was a Dan guy. Yeah. Like they they had a relationship, so Chase Young I'd be interested in. Who would be who would be your dream guy? Um, I feel like a Doug Williams. A Mark, we actually are going to have Mark Rippin on the show next week. Doug is always so good. like someone who has seen it 
at its best, someone who's seen it through its worst, someone who is invested in the future. I, I, I want that perspective. And we actually are going to have Rippin on next week. We're going to have Don Van Nata on tomorrow. So, like, there's some interesting different angles. But I do think current players like Terry or John Allen, I think, would be interesting because they've yeah. been here long enough to kind of have a feel for this fan base in a way that, like, all Howell knows is people are hoping he's really good. That's true. So, but I, I feel like, see, I, I, I'm kind of working in that radio tease yeah. in the brain. Like, hey, guess said, who we have on tomorrow? Sam Howell. Yeah, That's going to get people to check it out. That is 100% he true. He may be a dud, let but me, the tease is effective. Let me say this. Sean DeBarbieri, Gene Medina, Charlie, uh, all the, the, the commander's PR right. staff. If you all are listening and you want Sam Howell on the show tomorrow, I will take him. <laughs> I, will, I will just say that. JP Flame and the Junkies, 6 to 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Appreciate you coming on, man. All right, we'll see uh, those guys tomorrow morning. We get back, you'll hear a little bit more from Josh Harris here on The Hoffman Show. Hey, this is DA, and you're listening to The Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Josh Harris has had his deal for the Commanders, $6.05 billion approved, uh, as Brian Mitchell joins us here on set. B. Mitch, have you ever been happy to spend $6.05 billion? Uh, and when I get it, I won't spend it. Just yeah. like that. Yeah. But, you know, when you hear something goes for that much, it shows you the importance of the NFL to the uh, American society. Say it like that. Yeah, for uh, sure. That's a lot of damn money. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? But you got to realize the love and the passion for the NFL and for teams like the Washington Commanders uh, – it shows you a lot. Uh, and I think the ultimate thing is this. Dan can sit up here and be happy, but he owes a lot of money to a lot of people. Yeah, he but does. ultimately, he, he didn't make that grow. He ain't getting $6 grow. million. The NFL built like a can't-miss type of situation. But Josh rolls in, and let's hope he brings – listen, people been saying, well, he hadn't won a championship. <laughs> Hell, we haven't had the chance to be in the party to win a championship. So if he comes here and we're in the playoffs every year, isn't that better? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll take it. I can't remember who's second, but the Commanders are far and away the only team that has not won 11 games in the amount of time that it is. I think everyone else is like 10, 11 years. The Commanders, it's since 91. Last time they won uh, 11 games, you were there in uniform. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wearing that ring because of it. By the way, very cool coincidence. The two most significant days of. I would say commanders slash Washington football history in the last, what, how long since you got that ring? 30, uh, 32 almost, years? Yeah, 31. 31. Uh, have both taken place in Minneapolis. You won that ring in yes. Minneapolis. And today yes. at the JW Marriott, Josh Harris and, voted in in Minneapolis. I don't know if the NFL owners were thinking about that when they did it. But ultimately, yeah. some things just happen because it's supposed to happen. Yeah. And maybe for everyone out there that believed that there was a curse on this team, the curse was reversed today. Today in Minneapolis. Yes. There you go. Um, but what I was going to say is, like, the Sixers have won 50 games four times in the last six years. Mm-hmm. And like you said, yeah, have they won a championship? No. But they got the reigning league MVP, and they've won 50 games four times in the last six years, which is what? The NFL equivalent to 11, 12? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to do that four times in six years? It would years? be. And they, remember, they tore it down. They did. They went through the process. And they ended up in the playoffs every year. Yeah. Have we ever torn it down? No, have we ever gone through a process? Thing, I don't even know if they, they have to tear it down. No, they no, just have you to have tear a plan. It down. You, I'm so happy to hear you say that, Craig. I've heard everybody talk about what this team was going to be. 
but I never hear nobody talk about what the plan is. But one thing I know from talking to my friends in Philadelphia, Josh Harris told you what the plan was, whether you liked it or not. Mm-hmm. But it was a plan, and what he's done is live up to the plan. Now, once I get you a reigning MVP, I get you a, a, a guy who scores the most in the league, I give you a coach who's supposed to be a great coach. Yeah. If they don't get over the hump, that's their fault. They ain't my damn fault. Right. So he gave you everything you needed to win a championship. If he comes here and give us everything we need, it's all that matters. Right. It's all you can ask from ownership. Yeah, Eventually, go. players got to play, coaches got to coach, etc. Here's the. So I'm not going to be able to go to the press conference tomorrow, which I'm bummed about. But uh, two o'clock press conference and a four o'clock radio show in DC traffic do not get along well. They don't. Uh, so. Here would be my question for Josh Harrison. I'm curious if you have an answer for this, of how you would answer it as a guy who's been watching the NFL evolve for however, I'm not going to put a number on it, uh, as many years as you played and now been doing this analyst stuff. Do you have a football philosophy, right? If you're Josh Harris and you are looking at what he's done with the Sixers, and you know me, I'm a huge basketball nerd, yeah. I can very easily see philosophically what they wanted to do. Shoot a lot of threes, shoot a lot of free yeah. throws. They have a very analytically driven model. If, if I ask Josh Harris that tomorrow, what is your football philosophy? Do you think he has an answer? And if he comes to you and says, B. Mitch, what should it be? I, how I would think, you answer I that? I think he would have an answer because he's very analyt- analytically driven. And I believe that Josh Harris understands this team is at the bottom when it comes to analytics. Yes. Now, every great coach also has a field. So I'm going to use the analytics. We're going to bring as much analytics we need to help our coach out. So when he has a field, he has an educated guest right. on that field. But, like, how does that ultimately define a style of play, right? Like, how does how does that come when you say, like, what's the plan? You can't plan to draft Caleb Williams unless you, like, go ahead and truly tank. You can't, train a, this, you can't right? plan to draft him unless you want to suck this year. Right. But, like, yeah, every team wants to go draft the next Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Cool plan, guy. Right? But, like, how do you actually come up with a, a structure, a philosophy of what you want your team to look like so that you draft and sign free agents into that? Like, what is that structure? See, my thing like? is you come with an analytically driven format to, put, to construct your team. Then once you get your team, let's be real. I was drafted in the fifth round as a former quarterback. Yep. Nobody knew what the hell I was going to be. But when I got here, they said the only way you can make teams return to kicks and punts. I had lived my whole life saying, I'm never going to do that. That's the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> and then I catch one and I return a touchdown. Now, what I had inside of me, that 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 that, 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 that competitive drive, it kicked in. Hell, I'm going to try to be the best at this thing. Right. And I would hope, I think that some people think I was one of the best. But ultimately, it's like once you get people in, how can you get the absolute best out of them? Right. Because James Harris was not drafted. Remember that. And James Harris with the Steelers was one of the best pass rushers ever. Right. So the whole thing is not try to say draft first round or draft first. A lot of first rounders suck. Am I right? For sure. So if they suck, that means a lot of seventh rounders excel. Right. So think, find the best yeah. out of what you get. So like, I think you, you touched on something that's really interesting that people don't necessarily understand in the world of analytics and football, which analytics can drive not just like a style of play, oh, we're running the ball more, passing the ball more. It, it, it drives and informs who you actually select and the traits and characteristics. Because I'm sure Beathard drafted you, right? 
No, was it? Charlie uh, Castle. Cha- Char- Charlie. Okay. So I'm sure yeah, Charlie. I'm going to get fired because he drafted a 5'10 <laughs> quarterback. And Jackie could say, what the hell are you doing? But he saw something in, in whether it was your speed, your size, your competitive drive, something that said, this guy can help us win. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that they can figure that out. Because the other thing is the league evolves. And this is where my hope is, Brian, is that they're on the cutting edge of where the league is going. They realize, like, because I tend to think the league is going to shift back towards running the football a little bit more because defenses are so small. I'm with you. Can you be on the cutting edge of that and understand how to do that in a smart way? Like, those are the kinds of things that I'm hoping Josh Harris hires the right people to spark the the rebirth of this franchise. Think about this. The best 10, 15 years of this franchise was Joe Gibbs. He rolled in here. Wanting to be a pass happy team, he realized after being zero and five, that's not what we're about. Yep. He made an adjustment. They went eight and three the rest of the way. They finished eight and eight that season. They won three of four Super Bowls that they attended in the last what ten years. Right. You have to realize you got to be a cutting edge guy, like you just stated. The league right now has gone so damn small. Joe Gibbs was a run first team. They had a quarterback with over 3,000 yards and three receivers with 1,000 yards apiece. But they had running backs that had 1,000 yards apiece yeah. too. They figured so out how to manipulate it. what does a defense have to figure out to try and stop that? Right. This league, see, this is what I've said. I, I was an offensive player all my life. But I always thought as a defensive-minded guy. On offense, I want to get matchup advantages for me. Okay? How about on defense? You start trying to set it up. Right now, these teams have these big offensive linemen. Defense is getting the faster people. They're beating them. What if I start getting some maybe a little smaller offensive linemen right. who are as strong as they are and just as quick? And now I start running the ball down your damn throat. What could sure. you do? Can you stop me? Right. If I decide I'm not going to throw it 30 times a game, I'm coming up the middle with your liberty-ass defensive lineman <laughs> 35 times. What's going to happen? Yeah, you're, you're going to crush them. Like, you got to set yourself up. With, like, the whole thing is having a mindset of it. Like, my problem with Scott Turner, and I love Scott. I've known Scott since he was a kid. Threw him in a, a laundry hamper, threw ice on him, and taped him up. <laughs> but the ultimate thing is, Scott never went away from what he thought. And the problem with so many guys in the NFL who aren't successful, they think they know more than everybody. Right. Eric Bieniemy is from Andy Reid's school. What do you know about that? What I know about Andy Reid after three years, Andy, I, I would say, Craig, I'm going to set you up in the out wide all week next week. Craig, you out left. Third week, you're going to be out wide, out left. You're going to be moving around. I'm going to put you in a position where they're going to give guys to check you that I know can't check you. Right. Scott never adjusted. Right. Eric has been taught to adjust. So just that makes me have more hope for the offense. For sure. All right, let me ask you this on the way out. Um, I'm trying to remember who brought this up. I don't know if it was Doc who brought it up. No, I was listening to – maybe it was Kime who, who brought this up on his podcast. I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of stuff. Uh, try to give people credit. Someone smart said it, uh, but your name came up in it. I said that. Oh, it was no, you. I'm joking. It was, it was Brian talking about himself. <laughs> one of the peop- or one of, one of the kind of red flags when Dan got here 
was he brought in Dion and Bruce Smith and all those guys. But it wasn't just bringing them in. It was taking a guy like you for granted. You had been here. You were a part of the fabric Doc of the Price, team. I heard Doc say it before. Uh, yeah, Doc said I think Kevin said it too. I think that's actually who it was on, on Take Command with us. And he said, you know, like, yeah, getting Dion is great, but that means you have to get rid of Brian Mitchell because Brian Mitchell is your return guy, and that ain't so great. You were the fabric. You were, you were a part of what it meant to be a Washington football player at the time, and you were going to pass that along to the next generation in due time until your time was cut short. Uh, for reasons that had nothing or were, had everything to do with the fact that the person who was making those decisions didn't get the human part didn't of the game. Clue. So when you look at this team now, do you think there is enough of an identity to build on from a culture standpoint, from a fabric, like who are the guys here, or is that going to be something that comes in with the next generation I'll of players? I'll hit you some quick stuff right now. Ron Rivera came in to change a uh, culture. I believe he changed the culture because they have players on this team now that very much I, players I would have loved to play with. Yeah. Jalen Allen, Terry, Terry, uh, Terry uh, McLaurin. McLaurin. Yeah. So those two guys right there, you have the fabric of what you need. Uh, they enrolled in and got rid of me because I think I cursed Vinny out the first week he was here. Because he asked me a question, he, was, he gave me a dumbass answer, and I gave him my opinion, which I always do. Yeah. But those guys right there – I remember Terry McLaurin telling Eric Bieniemy, "Coach me hard." Yes, I need that, and my guys will accept it. What did Eric Eric Bieniemy come in here doing? Coaching hard. Yeah, and not only offensive players have discussed Eric, defensive players have said it too. That's a coach who gets the whole fabric of everything. So for me, ultimately, what I want to see is that I want Josh to come in and understand that there are guys on this team that already can take you where you want to go. Yeah. And then the You question. don't have to change everybody here. Yes. Because I would say you turn on your show, my show, Grant and Danny, Doc, Kevin, the Jug, anybody you want to turn on, I promise you, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Terry McLaurin are always praised. Jahan Dotson, keep those type of guys around. The guys that don't mind being kicked in the ass to become better. And those guys that have less talent than them, guess what they do? They don't question. They fall in line. And the problem with Dan was he went out and got Deion Sanders and wanted to make him better than Daryl Green. Deion was great, but once he got here, he sucked. <laughs> I remember he got caught from behind running a touchdown on a punt return. <laughs> I wanted to score that touchdown. Just say. But what yeah. I'm saying is, you have enough guys on this squad right now who have the mindset and the work ethic to take you where you want to go. Make sure you keep bringing those type of guys here. To hell with somebody else star from five to ten years ago. Make yours into a star. And I will say this, analytics can be a nice little safeguard against that because if you make informed decisions based off data, what you did five years ago don't matter very much to the data folks. There so you go. That's a nice little safeguard on that. Brian Mitchell, everybody, uh, he is on 10 to 2 each and every day on 106.7 The Fan. With the so big ear guy. Yeah, with uh, that Finley fella. Uh, <laughs> he'll be on tomorrow, uh, and, and we'll wrap up with the perhaps most epic real things real people have said in real microphones next here on the Team 980. What's up, kiddos? It's your boy Clinton Yates from ESPN. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Tell your mama I said what's up.
Thanks for watching this clip of Take Command. First, why don't you why don't you like it? It lets other people know that it was good, and then they should watch it too. And Logan, we have a new exclusive home for full episodes. We do. 106.7 The Fans YouTube page. Go check it out and please subscribe. Yeah, do, do what Logan said. Do He's it. Very, very smart. <laughs>